Welcome to Our Plant Stories, a podcast that shares stories about plants. And by sharing the stories, we grow our plant knowledge through the experience, passions, and sometimes quite remarkable knowledge of other plant growers. And the stories, well, they take us all over the world. The funny thing is, is that in Moscow, where I live, the snails do not seem to eat hostas. So we have hundreds of beautiful hostas in our garden in Moscow. And it's, uh, it's an absolute joy because I love, I love hostas. Hostas, are, they're just fabulous. They're all about the leaf. Basically, they come in a range of sizes, from the size of your fingernail to four foot high. I too love hostas, so it's perhaps not surprising that I was drawn to the display stand of Vicky Meads and New Forest Hostas at the Chelsea Flower Show a couple of years ago. And I was so taken with her enthusiasm and knowledge and warmth, and we did talk snails. So even if you've never grown a hosta, or you've slightly lost heart because hostas in the past have been eaten by snails, listen on, because Vicky Meads is really inspiring, and it doesn't matter how small your space, there's room for a hosta, if not a big one, a miniature one. But of course, we start with the plant story. I've been working on the idea for this podcast for over a year. And back at the beginning, I asked friends to talk about their plants as I searched for the right format. Alison Rogers is an old friend and we've always taught plants. She prefers to grow things you can eat. When we first met, she had an allotment. As I began to record back in January 2022, she was living in Moscow, where her husband Malcolm is the chaplain of St Andrew's Anglican Church. There's a brick-built English-style church and vicarage and a garden, all about 10 minutes' walk from the Kremlin. Ali had started a gardening group. Hello, it's Alison here from Moscow, Russia. I'm, uh, it's the 25th of January and I'm just stepping outside my door to our garden, which is a church garden, which is sort of not my own personal garden, but it's I help garden it and it's a place where people can come and sit uh, on the bench and uh, enjoy the flowers and the trees that are here. Um, Although they won't be sitting on the bench at the moment because we are in the dead of winter. And I, um, today it's, well, it's now minus nine, but uh, it was minus 12 this morning when I woke up. And I'm gonna just walk around the garden um, to give you a feel of what it's actually like here. Uh, in the middle of January in in Russia. Uh, well, the first thing you can see as you come out of my house is um, white. It's lots of white. There is a lot of snow everywhere. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm about five foot six or seven and um, if I put my arm out, I literally touch the top of the snow piles of snow. Underneath that big pile of snow at the front of our house are um, hydrangeas that we transplanted a couple of years ago, they've been doing well. Hostas that we have along the borders which grow excellently here in Russia, I don't know why. They must have a different um, version of snails here than in England. Um, but yeah, they, they seem to do well. Now I'm walking across our 
little car park over to the area where we where we have more sort of a bit more like an English garden with um, a couple of lovely trees and um, lots of bulbs that come out in the spring and uh, just generally a herbaceous border. I'm actually going to have to climb over a rather large pile of snow. My, my legs are going right down into the snow <laughs> and it's almost coming across the top of my boot now. There we go, I'm over now and I'm on to um, the area which is usually there's a path here and some grass and that's where we have benches where people can just sit and take in the, um, the beauty of the garden. And then things changed with the invasion of Ukraine. And Alison sent me this recording in March 2022. It's with a heavy heart and great sadness that this is maybe my last walk around St Andrew's Garden. Uh, where there's no knowing what sort of Russia I'll be coming back to, if at all. Um, as I and many, as many other expats are leaving Russia this week um, with the situation uh, in, in the world. So just thought I'd tell you what's happening in the garden because that keeps going. Uh, even though lots of things are changing around it, it, it continues to um, push forth new shoots and uh, continue to grow. So it's actually really cold again today. It's minus five and it was minus 12 last night. Um, perhaps that's not just a physical coldness, that's perhaps a metaphor as well. I had to just stop there because I got a bit sad. <laughs> But the wonderful thing about gardens is that there's always a sense of hope. As I walk now, I can see the shoots of the crocuses and there's actually even some snowdrops up. And they're really beautiful coming out through the, um, through the bark uh, that, that's, on, that's over the ground. Um, perhaps that's where I should stop with, with hope. If you've listened to the programme on Mint, which is actually about gardening in Ukraine, you'll have heard Lally Snow also talk about how gardens can offer hope. Alison was back in the UK for about six months and then another move. I'm packing up to go back to Moscow and you know what it's like when you pack to go somewhere. There's always decisions what to take and what to leave and... One of my decisions this time is what do I do with my hosta? I inherited this hosta from my father-in-law who sadly died in April this year and I brought it back to our house in Norfolk. As I leave and there's no one going to be to be here, uh, do I plant it in the ground? so it has uh, its roots can get some moisture but then leave it to the uh, wrath of the snails or do I leave it in the pot and possibly let it get very dry big decision well I've decided I'm actually going to leave it in the pot 
hoping that it is eventually going to rain a bit here uh, in this country <laughs> and um, because I'm really not sure I want to leave it um, as a, as a um, delicious feast for the snails. Ali's hostas and the lack of snails in her Moscow garden had been a recurring theme in our gardening chats, so I brought Alison together with Vicky Meads. Vicky runs New Forest Hostas, which is an RHS Chelsea gold medal winning nursery set in the heart of the New Forest in Hampshire. I'll put all the details on the website. Vicky, I came across you at one of the big shows and you had a, a stand of amazing hostas. Um, you were also a fount of knowledge about snails, which we'll come to later. But I wanted to ask you, how did you come to be growing hostas? What's your story about hostas? What's my story? Well, I've collected. I was a collector for years, always been passionate about them. My mother had a little nursery and a garden that was open to the public, basically, called Apple Court, which is not far from where I live now. And basically, that previously had specialised in hostas, and it was owned by people called Diana Grenfell and Roger Grounds. Diana was the one who was really involved in the hosta world and bred many hostas and bits and pieces, but she took on that business. And the love grew, grew and grew. But I always wanted to grow them and go into business myself. But my mother, um, it was her favourite thing too. And I didn't want to step on her toes. She didn't want to relinquish what she had and let me take over the hosta part and let her concentrate on the garden and other things. So I didn't do it for many years. And then um, as soon as she retired and sold the house and the business, I then thought, right, now it's my turn and um, divided up my collection and went from there. And it very quickly grew, very quickly, where I was only planning on doing a few little plant fairs and, you know, just make a little bit of money. <laughs> and now it's turned into this most enormous beast of a business. And it was my husband's fault that he was the one who said, I think we should contact the RHS. And from then, we've never looked back. It has been phenomenal, the whole uh, the whole thing so far has been amazing. The journey has been amazing, yes, and nonstop and totally crazy. We we have no life. If I'm not potting, I'm watering. If I'm not watering, I'm looking for slugs. So it's just nonstop. What is it you like about them? What attracts you to hostas? Hostas, uh, they're just fabulous. They're all about the leaf. Basically, they come in a range of sizes, from the size of your fingernail to four foot high. They have got a variety of different leaves and shapes, uh, uh, the colour leaf. So you can have from goldens to various different shades of greens and to blues. But they are so contrasting and just they're just fabulous. Ali, you're basically living with this amazing collection of hostas in Moscow, aren't you? Which are stunning. Well, when they appear from underneath the snow, obviously. Yes, I am. I, I turned up here six years ago, Vicky, and there's a lot of garden here. It's a big sort of territory, if you like, outside our house and the church. And the predominant plant, obviously, that survives here is the hosta. 
they're a great big sort of sort of swathes of hostas um uh, and and sort of bunches of hostas in 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 groups um about three different varieties i would say no more than that at the moment um well i'll tell you something in a moment um and um and i just thought wow these are amazing these hostas because of course in the uk i've tried to grow hostas before and of course you then have this this you know fight with the snails and the slugs and I found it very very difficult to grow grow any that didn't have holes in all the leaves so here I mean it was just amazing to see these beautiful great big great big leaves beautiful shiny and wide and um, abundant and really growing well just thriving and um, I started to say, right, we're going to have to put those hostas all the way around the borders because they obviously grow well here. So I'm dividing them. I'm throwing them in. I'm not really worried about them at all. And um, they just, they've just they just survived and they've just been fantastic. Um, and I, it, it's a question I want to ask you, Vicky, because, I, I mean, I suppose I sort of know the answer. I mean, why do they grow so well here? We have this continental climate in Moscow where we have very cold winters and very warm summers, again, yeah. up to 30, 35. But the the humidity here is very, very, is very, very low. It's very dry. Uh, so actually it makes, the, it makes the cold able to, you know, you, you, you can cope with the cold and actually you can cope with the heat too because it's, it's very dry. It's not humid at all. Um, and I don't think I've hardly ever seen a snail, and certainly not a slug. Um, I mean, perfect climate, really. Yeah. Is it? It is, is the it? perfect climate. One, you've obviously the cold helps kill off any sort of slugs and snails, right? And you don't have that issue going that low. That's what's knocking them back, and you obviously right. haven't got that out there. So I have complete envy. But they love the heat, yes. as as well as they can cope with extreme cold. That is not an issue. Um, so yeah, perfect climate. That's why they're out there okay. and you should love them. But you need more than three varieties. There must be around 15,000 yes. by now, oh, I would wow. have thought. Oh, wow. There is so many varieties out there. Um, you can do more than three. Well, because I get basically that's what was, you know, that's what was here. Um, but in fact, last spring we did go out and um I actually wasn't there but little gardening group that we've got friends of mine went out knowing that I liked hostas and bought some little mini ones like little sort of alpine almost type ones and we put those yep. in I did, yes are they miniatures that's what they're called um so looking forward to seeing those have you put them growing. in the ground yes we put okay. them in, in they the spring may not like the ground so oh. I see how you get on with them. That'll be really interesting to see how you do. So with the miniatures, that's something I always recommend that you grow in pots and not the ground because the ground sometimes can be too wet for them. Okay. Um, they don't like too much winter wet. That's when they'll rot and you'll lose them. Uh, normally oh with the miniatures, we would say keep in a pot and then you put under some uh, an overhanging building or shrub, something to keep the moisture off. And uh, they're just a lot easier to keep. Where are hostas originally from? Where, where do they originate from? They originate oh, from Japan. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Where you can find them wild growing out there in the yeah. hills, but they'll be quite plain varieties. But yeah, they're very, very popular in America. Very popular mm. indeed. Lots of breeding takes place out in the Netherlands and Belgium. From when I started collecting at the beginning, there was very 
few varieties yes. that were accessible and available around. And now it's exploded. Everybody's mm. breeding. Everybody's doing everything. And there is so much now. And but, a lot of the breeding now we're doing, so they things have got a lot better pest resistance. So um, the good attributes of one plant you're trying to bring through into the newer varieties. So especially, and basically the ones that have got a better pest resistance, I've always found are the ones with a much thicker leaf. So if you've got some of the big blues, and it doesn't have to be yes, blue we at do. all, we have but a it's just going to have one. a thick leaf. You'll it find does. that they they are really, they have, nothing is generally 100% pest free, nothing at all, unless you obviously live where you are in Germany. Well, but in this country, nothing is 100%. No. But there's some that are very close up there. I have, I have two more questions sort of for here because we we have this gardening group here and we're always trying to sort of improve the garden make it look better is there a good companion plant is something that would be associated oh, ferns, well with this? anything ferns. anything oh. ferns epimediums mm. anything basically lots of okay. things go well but you always have to remember with a hosta whenever they receive it it looks like this tiny if you get it in its root system it, there's nothing of it. And people think, oh, that's not going to be very big. And then they put it in the ground and then it explodes as soon as it starts to grow. Yeah. And then it's enormous. It, and people don't realise this, that hostas come in different sizes. And they go, why is my hosta not growing? I'm going, no, it will be growing fine, right. but you've chosen a medium variety that will only get to sort of 30 centimetres. And where the giant varieties can be meters and they are right. enormous and the spread is enormous so they come in four different ranges of sizes basically and and it's to be aware what you've bought and giving it the right amount of space yeah it's easy when you've got in a pot because as it matures as a plant it will get to its full height and you can then keep moving it and that's the wonderful thing about growing them in pots you can move them around exactly and get them in the right situation. But my other question, which uh, Sally's going to laugh at me when I say this, is is there anything that is ever edible or medicinal about a hosta? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are edible. Definitely are edible. They um, eat them in Japan. <laughs> yeah. So the more prolific varieties, and I think the ones with not a, such a thick leaf, they definitely do eat them. It's quite a delicacy. They make relishes and God knows what out of them. Um, but, yeah, some of them are quite expensive and I wouldn't want to be chopping them up. <laughs> but, yeah, some of the older varieties, they really do, and they do grow them. You'll see them, yeah, out in Japan. They eat them regularly. So you'd, you'd cut the leaf. You'd cut the leaf off and sort of somehow never make it one. Well, I oh, well, that's a definite. But I have sold them, and people have come in and said, "I'm going to buy this to take this to chop it up." And I cry. I'm like, "They're oh. my children, and you're about to chop them up." So, <laughs> so maybe Ali, if you're going to chop them, keep it quiet, okay? Don't tell Vicky that you're chopping them up, okay? I think that's just a behind. As long as they come from my nursery, I, I it's will okay. Take. It's okay. I have so many here. I have hundreds. I have hundreds of hostas. I'm sure a few little leaves wouldn't matter. In a salad. I think they're most delicious when they're coming up and it's the new shoots. <laughs> so exactly. a bit like an asparagus where it's shooting up and it's all fresh. That's when yeah. you know, they cut them oh, up I'm, and they eat oh, them. This is but this house. Yes. This is just Ali basically my, just sees anything she can eat. I can just see they've, they've, they've gone basically. <laughs> they're goners now. That's their chance gone in Moscow. They'll be just like oh, decimated. That is just, that's fantastic to hear that. So they're not poisonous or anything. So that's. No, that's not, not at all. Mm. Not at all. Not to humans, they're fine. Thank you. 
We should touch on the subject yes, of snails because if you, I, I know Ali, you're, I'm not they saying you're smug at all, but yes, you're fine. She's, there, aren't you? yeah. she's just sitting pretty, <laughs> sitting pretty. I don't like to say, but. No, no. Whereas <laughs> I have to confess that the, the couple of years ago, I almost just gave up on hostas and I've always loved them and I've always had them in pots. But as they were utterly decimated, I was like, sometimes you just have to admit defeat. And then. I met you, Vicky, and you talked about your garlic wash and and the spray, yeah. you know, and making your own garlic, which I did. Religiously sprayed it all over them. Oh, my goodness, they were phenomenal. It was like did a it work? For you? Yes, amazingly. So, and so did tell you me do about it snails. weekly? Yes. Yes, you did do it weekly. Yes. yes, many do that garlic wash, and it's they it works really well. You have to apply that weekly and um, after heavy rain and it can be absolutely brilliant and it's very cheap and natural and it hurts nothing it's literally a deterrent um, and also you can do crazy things like me like go out at midnight and hunt for them and I do that too. Um, spend the next three hours of your life walking around with a head torch on collecting them all off, up and then releasing them in the forest like a good girl uh, <laughs> that's uh, yes so yeah there's quite a few things you can do people try many things and I have people coming up saying all different things they try and what works for them so um, but yeah we recommend the garlic wash and I use nematodes as well for the slugs um, and for things like vine weevil so nematodes are very very good but are quite tricky to apply at times. So what, you have to have nematode? the right temperature. A nematode's a microorganism. And basically it'll come to you in a post with a cold pack and you then have to apply it to the water at the right temperature. You have to keep it all agitated as you're applying it. But basically it get, you have to water it down into the pot and then they just start to devour them from the inside out, I think, I'm afraid. And uh, But they work very well. Does it become very stressful when you've got a big show coming up, Vicky, and you've got all these perfect hostas that you want to take? I mean, I'm just imagining what that feels like in the run-up. And you don't want it a snail to suddenly chomp its way through. From the moment the first hosta starts to send up a little shoot, as well as, as well it being the most exciting thing ever, it is also the most terrifying because I'm waiting for the first thing to come and devour it. Um, mice spring mice love to chew them off so they discovered the nursery the other thing so I have to look out for mice that's the first one who comes and does all the damage and then it's the slugs so uh, I, I start hunting well some years I've had hostas up at in January which is crazy um, I, I, I like to make sure we try, we try not even drop the sides on the tunnels or anything we don't force them um, we try to hold everything back till March to try and stop the onset of the growth and everything coming. But, uh, yeah, so I start hunting before then. Um, and how many have everything. you got? How many hostas do you actually have to hunt amongst? Oh, gosh, now you're talking. I dread to think because I have my collection and everything else. We're talking tens of thousands, tens and tens of thousands. Lots, lots and lots. Yeah. The nursery is kind of over an acre site. Do, right? do you have an it, army of people me. with head torches? It's just you. <laughs> no, it's me. That's why it's three hours and then I do one tunnel one night and then I go back the next night to do another tunnel. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a never-ending battle. And yes, yeah, so it is very scary. So when the, the, the show plants are coming up and everything, try and keep them perfect. You're fighting anything and everything that wants to devour it or lay an egg on it. or And then the heat, because a lot of the time I'm growing under tunnels so I can try and control the water and to get maximum heat to get good growth. Um, but then suddenly they'll be coming up in spring. They've got lush, soft leaves and then we'll have a heat wave. And the tunnels will have steam coming off them. And literally, you'll see that watch them melt inside. And it's trying to then get the tunnels to cool down. It, it's, you're juggling every hat can possibly. And it is extremely stressful. Um, extremely stressful. But when you get to the show and put on a lovely display and get lovely comments, it kind of pays back <laughs> for all the work. <laughs> but there is so much work. Is, 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 is winter the, hot, the relaxing time for hosta growers then, when they've basically dropped, they're, they're down, they're, you can't see them, they're, they've, they've gone down the I can ground. relax in the way of when they've gone to sleep. I can relax thinking they shouldn't be too badly being devoured by anything, apart from obviously if I've got vine weevil. But I would have put, I, I put tra- treatments on uh, twice in spring and twice in autumn for them. So ho- I'm touching wood now i i haven't got much of a problem i don't think i think i'm fine but you 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 can never you can never accept there's nothing so uh, but and i i suppose yeah when did i relax christmas day and boxing days when i relax um but apart from that no i work every day because if not then you're trying to catch up on jobs i've got enough work at the nursery for 10 people um, my son helps me and my husband reluctantly um, on occasions. <laughs> but otherwise it's just you, basically. It's just yes. you. Things. things like Chelsea are hideous. <laughs> the setup is hideous. It's so hard, so difficult. Um, it's the most amazing experience, but it is really, really, really hard work to do because it's such, such long days. But it's the most pers- prestigious and it is fabulous um yeah but very very hard work and if you go around we're looking at the exhibitors they are just purely exhausted I'm sure they are it's 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 incredible and the, whatever you whatever you display it always looks so amazing doesn't it though I mean it's all your best your best work isn't it well you try to but you're kind of you can go to a show with one week you think we start showing um probably from april and um what i take to the show could quite easily get damaged so you need a whole new set of plants for the next show and the next show and if you're doing well when i first started i did over 20 shows in the year and you soon run out of show plants putting on massive displays um so to try and carry through the same plants which a lot of them I will because I haven't got you know to there's so many varieties you you try and have three of each but some I will only have one of because they're really slow growing and um they're fabulous but a lot of people you'll find dust at the shows gets thick on the leaves and you can't get it off the climate changing for them will affect their leaves so um, some where you'll take them out of a tunnel and then t- um, move them. By the time you've got there, they've decided to come out in spots because they've absolutely hated the journey. 
and they are then a write-off. Um, or you've gone to there and some ways uh, I've had shows where they've had lighting in, you've been inside a hall, they've got stretched and then you'll bring them out of the show and they'll all collapse because they've just got stretched in a, in a week of being in there. So there's all, it's, it can be so challenging. I think you can really feel Vicky's anxiety and affection for her hosta plants. She's already given us lots of tips about caring for hostas, but if you are now inspired to go and get one, here are a couple more. Yeah. I think there are some people with gardens, there are some people with just balcony space, there are some people with a little bit of front yard space, and that's why I, I think for our plant stories, it's really nice to have plants in a way that everyone can have a go at growing, however much space or little space they've got. So, beginner's guide, I think the things I'd, I guess I would be asking is, when would you buy them? Any mm -hmm. ones you'd recommend? Um, anything we need to know? If it's the first time we've ever gone looking for a hostel, what should we look for? Gosh, there's so many things to cover there. So, <laughs> if you're going... To first, you've got to look at what situation you're growing into. So, if you're going to plant into the ground... Go for something that has got a better pest resistance. Full, full stop. Don't go, don't go near anything else if you are just starting out. So go for something with a thicker leaf. And then you've got to look at your situation. So if you're in shade, there is some that will only take the shade. Every hostel will take shade, but only a few can cope with the sun. But there's definitely some things, hostels like June, that can take a really good amount of sun. And with June, um, like her, her colour, she 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 changes. She's like a little chameleon. In the summer, her leaves will get, the, the central part will go really nice and cream. But you can move her into the shade and her, the centre bit will go a near green, a, a lot deeper colour. Um, so, yes, yeah, just think about where you're planting it and um, look at the requirements for that plant so and the sizes but I would never planting out in the garden I would never really put out uh, miniatures or smalls straight into the ground there is probably a couple things like blue mouses that you could possibly get away with out there or put them in a trough but as long as you've got a trough or something that you could then something that's really quite free draining for them for the winter but otherwise, yeah, into pots and pots are simple. 95% of hostas are very happy in pots. There's only a few that don't like the pot and like the ground. Things like Francis Williams likes to go in the ground more, I would say, more than a pot. Um, and it would be the giants that struggle more going in the pot than in the ground. Um, Have you got a couple of favourites that you would, you oh would God, recommend? Oh, too many, too many, too many, <laughs> too many, too many. Insane. That's a horrible question. And insane but for a very easy start in hosta things like june is fantastic so does june go in a pot or in the soil then you can put june she in can either. go anywhere you can do what you want with her she'll grow anywhere a normal she compost so a bag easy. of compost could you just you put them in a bag of compost i i like to use a multi-purpose and i will add with that a third of john innings number two or three and then i like to add a really good amount of perlite um, a good 10% of my mix will be perlite and that just creates really great aeration within the soil. They absolutely thrive on it and they love it. And can we put your recipe for the, for the garlic wash on the website? Cause it is, I can. mean, the whole house will smell of garlic, obviously when you do this, but it is a great wash as long as you kind of 
yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not basis. my recipe. It's been around for years, but it works a treat. Um, absolutely, put it on the website. It is. It is really good. I mean, now that I've thought of you with the vision of you with tens of, you know, with just thousands of hostages <laughs> with, your, with your night torch, my, my little small collection when I go out and I'll say to Andrew, I'm just going out tonight to look at the hostages. And he's like, off she goes yeah. with their kind of, you know, to, yeah. to look for snails. Yeah. But, uh, but it's nothing compared to yours. So I no. think we should say to people, if, you know, it's not going to be a big deal. You just have to keep on top of the snails and, and not and get too frustrated it. if they nibble at the odd leaf. You just have to accept it, presumably, and just say that's life. Yeah, you can always have your sacrificial lamb. I have them. Mm. So Sorry, explain more. A sacrificial lamb. So there's some hostas that are really, really yummy compared to others. And you can have them with other plants as well. Like, so what's um, a yummy hosta? So a yummy hosta, something with a very thin, thin, an Oreo marginata normally, something with a very thin leaf. Uh, basically anything will go towards that so when I go out hunting I will hunt for slugs snails vine weevil everything and I will go to them plants first to see and they can smell them they can taste them they find them and I will pick everything off of that uh it works a treat I mean sometimes you plant strawberries and I hate to say even hookahs and things around um that that they all can attract different pests and even if you have a lovely collection don't put your sacrificial lamb amongst it put it away from it so you're not calling that most that's the most delicious thing there you're not calling them into that you will put that in the opposite corner and they will go there it's the same when people use things like slug pellets I mean uh, they don't work anywhere near like they used to because the the methaldehyde ones are now banned. Um, so, uh, but people would cast them just generally around the garden and in handfuls, and they put too much, and then they wouldn't work anyway. Uh, less is more when it comes to things like that. And don't actually, I wouldn't actually put them under the plant, um, but uh, I would put them away from it so they will you're calling them away from the plant and that's where they will go and eat i know sorry this is going back again but in terms of watering them I yeah mean, we because we have big areas we basically just take the we take the, the hose around with us um yeah is it okay just to basically hose them from the top i mean i know a lot of plants you should be you know you should water around the the base shouldn't you so you're not covering the, the leaves but generally is it okay I wouldn't water over the leaves personally. No. Basically, with tap water, tap water normally marks the leaves. Uh, rainwater is absolutely fine to water overhead, but tap water, no. Um, I would. We always say if you're growing in pots, try and keep them in the summer period with a dish underneath and water from the pot, the dish, and they take up what they want, and they really can't overwater them. Um, uh, but otherwise, yeah. They're better off, hostas are better off having one really, really good water once a week than constant daily watering that makes them shallow-rooted and um, they don't want to be constantly sodden up around their necks. You should let the top 10% of the soil dry out between watering and you just look at the plants. It will tell you when it wants watering. 
good luck with your hostas. And may those snails and slugs decide to go elsewhere, a long way away from your pots. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Our Plant Stories. If you listen to podcasts, you'll know that at this point, people often ask you to rate or review it. I love to know if someone has enjoyed a particular episode, and maybe why. Perhaps it's because their parents grew that plant, or they just love hearing someone so passionate about one particular plant, or perhaps June has just moved into your garden. So if you can spare a couple of minutes to do that on your podcasting app, that would be great. As well as these plant stories, we'll be having a few plant story offshoots because whenever I research these stories, I seem to find offshoots that I think will be fun to follow up. So watch this space. They will be coming. Our Plant Stories is presented and produced by me, Sally Flatman.